everybody. Happy Friday. This is Steph Lee, the founder of Host Agency Reviews, and I am lucky enough to have a co-host today. I have Lori Spears on again with Lavarte Travel. Hello, Lori. Welcome. And thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Thank you. Thank you. I am too. You know, just starting into June, which it feels like forever to get to, and I am ready for summer. So I'm super excited. I can't believe it's already June and you said it took forever to get here. And I'm like, what happened to January through May? You needed you needed to be in Minnesota for this oh abnormally long and cold spring. I'm actually still wearing footy pajamas that are like heavy fleece. It's so cold here at night still. It's crazy. You're right, because it's already 95 here in Texas and it's been hot already for a long time. <laughs> That's very different from what I'm experiencing. Yeah. Well, let's see. Before we jump into questions, everyone, I just wanted to remind you, we are nearing the end of our annual survey. Now, we're going to talk about the survey in some of the questions that are asked today. And the way we get those answers and the stats that we're sharing with you today are through people taking this survey. So it's really, really important and also of great interest and value to you to take this survey. Um, it should take, depending if you're a new agent, it's a pretty quick survey. If you're an experienced agent, it may take you five minutes to go through. Um, but you can go to hostagencyreviews.flash survey. Um, we'll put the link in the comments too for everybody. All right, done with done with my PSA. So question one, Lori. This is from Ruth, and she is asking, when considering a host agency, is an advisor allowed to work with more than one host agency? What's your experience with this? Well, yes, not only are they allowed, I it's like law. They they definitely can. I mean, law in the travel industry, right? Yeah. But you are definitely allowed to work with more than one. You just might want to find out if that's a good idea for you personally. Mm -hmm. Like, why do you want to work with more than one? If it's because of the 3% more commission, are you having to pay two monthly fees? Is that 3% really balancing out for you? Or sometimes like here at Lavarte, we have contests periodically. Oh, fun. I like this. Yes. Incentives. But at the end of the year, we tally up the sales that's done just through Lavarte, of course, for a presidential's club trip that we all take, like this year, it's a river cruise. So you want to be able to be eligible for those types of things. And if you're spreading yourself over more than one host agency, you may not be eligible for that. That Those are great points. I'm going to, Ruth, um, put up a couple of resources for you. So the first one is, let me share my screen. Um, let's see. You'll want to definitely check your contract. This goes for every day when you're signing up, whether or want whether or not you want to align with more than one host agency. But if you type in contract up in the search field um, of our site, it'll pull up our article on independent contracts and things to look for. And we'll talk about aligning with more than one host agency um, and what you should be looking for in that. Because if a, if a host agency is telling you you have to be exclusive to them, there are some big red flags there in terms of Again, like Lori said, it's against the law, the independent contractor's laws. Um, part of the reason that host agencies don't pay your taxes for you is because they're technically not telling you what to do. And if they're saying you can only work with me, that's uh, one of the rules that they're breaking within there, uh, the independent contractor laws. So that's one resource we're going to put out there. Um, 
Another one that I think would be really helpful for you, Ruth, is talking about independent contractor misclassification. Let me see if I can find this. Okay. If you type in misclassification on the site, um, this will talk more about why it's so important that your host agency doesn't have in their contract. Because even if they have in their contract that they're saying that you um, are exclusive to them, but you really like them and you don't think it's really going to be a really big deal and sign on, there are a lot of things that you should be aware of because that makes the host agency liable for back taxes and penalties if they end up being audited. And that can really hurt their bottom line, which in, of course could affect when and how you're getting your commission. So those are things to consider. And then let me see, there's one last thing I wanted to, um, oh yeah, belonging. We have an article on belonging to more than one host agency. So um, again, go to the site, type in belonging up in the search field and it'll pull up that article. And it talks a little bit more in depth about everything Lori's been talking about. Like um, if you have multiple affiliations, does it like, does it make sense? You're going to have to learn two different systems. You may not be able to go to those presidential trips because you're not putting all your revenue in one place. Um, there's the building relationships with all of the different host agencies staff within there. And you're going to have to do that with two separate ones. And we all know that relationships are kind of what makes the travel industry run. And so those are really important and kind of softer things to consider besides that commission split. So we'll put links in to all of those. And then do remember to shut this off because I always forget that. What there we go. excellent content you have. Okay, and this is you, why Larry. we love host agency review. Look <laughs> at this. I mean, and look and what by you putting it in the search field like that, you showed how easy it is with just words to yeah. get this great information at your fingertips. It what? is. You know, we've had 10 years of, of putting this together and answering questions. So it's been, um, and, and by the way, if you're learning a lot from the Friday 15, first of all, subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss another one. But if you're not really on YouTube and you want to just get a weekly email reminder with what's going to be in the coming upcoming Friday 15, you can go to hostagencyreviews.com slash Friday 15 and sign up for email reminders there. And, and I think, Lori, you're on almost every month this year, aren't you, with the Friday 15 co-hosting yeah. at some point in time? Yes, I believe in it and love being on it. <laughs> I, I know. We're just having so much fun. We're like representing the north part of the United States and the southern part of the United States. We're both border <laughs> border states. Right, right. Okay, so this next question, question two, is coming from Philippa. And he is asking... What sales volume do you need in order to make a profit the first year? What is your total estimated business income the first year? And then just a little extra information here. So his fiscal year ends December 31st, but the launch date for his business is June 1st, assuming I get the SOT and the VTC approvals, which is Verified Travel Consultant and Seller of Travel. And, you know, we are looking, it's the third today. So it looks like Philippa might have just launched. So congratulations on that. <laughs> Yay. And then Lori, what's your experience with kind of the profit that you see with your advisors every year? And how do you recommend we kind of work through this? Well, here's what I recommend first is to sit down and actually whatever host you're with or figure out all your business expenses. All of it, any license, you talked about your SOT, mm -hmm. any monthly expense you have, any annual expense you have, 
all your expenses, maybe even your Zoom platform, any educational. Those are maybe, important because those add up like the $15 I a month. My annual Zoom and I know, you know, every little, your phone costs, just sit down. And this is important if you're starting business to do this anyway, write down all your expenses to be in business. Let's say those come up to, you know, for the year, I'm just going to throw a number out there. Maybe it's 20, 30,000 a year. Maybe not. You know, I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe mm -hmm. it's a lot less than that, but, or more. <laughs> it depends on what kind if of. If it's more than that, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to suggest you get a less expensive storefront. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to even tell you what mine is a year. <laughs> a host agency, that's the one thing. Host agencies are, if you're doing it right, the expenses are high because you're doing a lot to provide for your ICs, your independent. Mm -hmm. But anyway, your individual business as an, as an independent contractor, what is it costing you? Even put in uh, any, if you're going to attend conferences or boot camps. So whatever that is, let's say it's 30,000. So you know, then I have got to earn at least 30,000 to break even. Mm -hmm. And then you get your game plan in there. Maybe you have a niche, maybe it's selling cruises. So, you know, let's say uh, average commission on a cruise, a celebrity cruise uh, for two is $450. So, you know, you need to sell 65 of those to break even. Mm -hmm. And just having that number and doing that math and kind of breaking it out lets you know what your plan is, what your goals are. And then everything you do, you keep making it go up like that. And if, you know, it doesn't work like that all the time, believe me. When, when a pandemic hiccups. happens, it really puts a dent in things. <laughs> yeah, there'll be some hiccups, but just evaluate what those are. So the line goes back up this way, but you will get there. And But you have to figure out your expenses to kind of know what you have to make and then back it out, what you're going to sell and how much you have to sell of that to make that happen. Yeah, exactly. And I would say, too, always err on the side of caution. I, and I don't know if I'm just a terrible estimator at things, but whenever I'm doing a project, you know, on the house or if I'm doing something with business, I always underestimate the time and the cost that it's going to be. And so I would maybe do like a 10% above. That way you give yourself a little bit of a buffer. And if you happen to have overestimated, then wonderful. You're way more than on track then. And Instead of being disheartened, like frequently happens to me when I discover I've screwed something up. So and and always track everything. Like get some type of accounting system that mm. you can really and do your PL on everything every month. So you know, and you can take a look at those places and areas where there's maybe concern and adjust them along the way. Yeah. And for people that aren't familiar with PL, that's the profit and loss statement, which kind of gives you. It's like, this is what your expenses were. This is what your income was. This is when you hear bottom line, that's the very bottom of the profit and loss statement. It'll give the number of like, this is how much you've actually made in a profit. So and today, it's so easy to do that with QuickBooks. Oh, I, mean, I know. So, so easy. fancy. Even if you've never done one, they do it for you. Yeah, it's it's a click of the mouse. Um, so there's there's a couple of resources I also want to throw your way. So the first one, while we're talking about financials, let me share my screen again. Um, is we have an article on travel agency financials that will be really helpful since it looks like you're really digging into these. So if you type in financials in the search field, it's going to show up um, setting up your financials, and we talk about 
the business bank account. We talk about, um, let's see, going through, let me see, there's, we talk about the different ways that you can keep track of your expenses. Um, so we have Excel, QuickBooks, um, different ways to track your receipts, things like that. Um, so I'll put that link in there for you, Felipe. Um, and then let's see, I also wanted to, so we talked about the survey earlier and I said, this is really important data for all of us and for you particularly listeners, because it really helps you benchmark. And so I'm going to pull up our article on travel agency startup costs, and I can actually give you a specific number. I'm just typing in, um, startup costs and you'll see there's one that says travel agency startup costs. So we'll click on that. And this is data from 2021. And so um, we are looking at for the average travel agency startup costs. And again, this does not include a salary or like extra income for you. Um, so that's something you'll need to consider. This is just getting started. It isn't your weekly cost or monthly costs after that. Um, so for hosted travel advisors, I think the one you could reliably look at, um, Philippa, is the median, which is about 2000 so between one and 2000 is usually what people use when they're starting out their agency. And so if you just were looking to pay off this amount of money, it's going to be a lot less. You'd probably need to do at 10% commission about $20,000 in sales. So totally doable. Um, but there's a lot more data in here. And again, all of this comes from our survey. So hostagencyreviews.com slash survey to take that. It closes on the 15th. Um, and then another thing that would be really helpful for you as you're going along is our um, new travel agent startup report, which again comes from the survey. So if you go to our blog, if you ever want to see any data on any of our surveys, go to our blog underneath the tags. You can look at travel agent surveys. Oh, and look at here, May 5th, 2022, we have the new hosted travel agent report. You can click on this and you can get tons of information. So you can see that most new advisors don't work full-time to start. Um, they usually will get into that further as they get more experience and more money comes in. Because one of the things, and I, I can't remember if we mentioned this, but one of the things, Lori, when for new advisors to consider, right, is that these commissions don't come in until after somebody yeah. travels. Mm -hmm. So even if you make that, you know, $20,000 in sales, don't expect that to be in your box pocketbook right away. You're going to have, you know, a good six, eight months, six, nine months lead time probably before you're actually going to see that money. So that's really important for your, especially your advisors. Very important. But I think that these articles are so great that you, you, you're showing, but the important thing is when using a host that your cost, you know, I was talking about 30,000, but your cost when you use a host to have your own business average two thousand dollars that's fabulous it you is i mean that is a you can easily earn two thousand dollars to cover those expenses in the first year even doing it part-time like this graph shows a lot of people start out doing the only thing is you have to wait out the time to get the commission paid out but that's what i just love about this business is how many businesses as great as our business that you can start up for such a low startup cost. It's amazing. Yeah. And it is amazing because, you know, when we're looking at that number on the um, on the startup cost, for a lot of people, the mode, the most common one people cite is $1,000. And I think the reason the like averages are higher is because 
we have franchises in there and those can be up to $30,000 to get started with a franchise. So it really brings up the costs. Um, you know, you can be very thrifty in starting up your agency um, and be able to turn it around to be profitable. Although, you know, profitable just means you make above what you spend. So um, it's not like you're going to be making $50,000 your first year in a salary, but that will come eventually. Absolutely. I always teach group travel as well. Oh, uh, yeah. One group you've made back or one great river cruise booking or it's so easy and you'll be instructed on what you can sell to make to break even or make a profit. It's very doable. And that's what I, I love about our industry. You get in this great industry, take it seriously, take it like a business, not a hobby, but you can definitely profit early. It, it's very true. And the last thing I wanted to show too is we have, I'm not sure if you've run across this, Philippa, but um, we have our travel agency business plan template. So oh, you type in business plan in here. This has a lot of the numbers because uh, part of the business plan is this financial planning and financial projecting. So um, if you go in here, you can kind of scroll through and see the information that's in here. But there's a there's the financial projections section. And so there's a lot of information from you. You can download it and edit it and make it your own. So we'll put that link in there for you, too. But that was a great question. So thanks for writing in about that. Very good. Yes. Oh, and we have one more question here. Okay. So this is from Nanette and Nanette is wondering, I wonder if, okay, so two questions in here. Uh, I wonder if most host agencies charge about the same amount for their educational components. So let's just answer that one first, Lori. What's your okay. experience? Uh, my experience is that is where you do your research for your host agency, because there is not a uniform answer for that. Everyone is very different. Mm -hmm. It ranges extremely low to I up to five, 8,000 I've even seen. Yep. But I've yeah. seen it as low as 199 or a hundred. So um, my, my advice on that is, is find out what type of education that you're paying for. Cause you may get what you pay for mm -hmm. and um, you know, see if they partner with someone that actually has credentials that are applied in the industry. Like at Lavarte, we, partner with the Travel Institute mm -hmm. and watch on anything or even ask before you um, apply with that host agency. If there are any hidden costs, that's not up front that you might want to know about in relationship with education. Yeah. And I would, you know, if you're working on a special niche, Nanette, if you can ask them if there's someone that's gone through that type of educational training that, that you're looking to go through, if you can talk with them and kind of see what their experience was and how relevant it is, that might give you a little bit more confidence too. All and right. Another thing also is ask how many hours is their training? Mm. And so you can kind of get a feel of what you're paying for. Is it just running you through something? Or are you getting some legit training? Yeah. All right. Second portion of our question here is, do they all, this is all host agencies, do they all do credit checks and require a certain accessible money amount on a credit card? Is there something I can read or listen to in regards to this? Hmm. I know, again, hmm. 
I don't know where you can read or anything. I'm going to leave that one up to you, Stephanie. <laughs> I know you've got all these great links. I, I know that some, this is another one where it's not uniform. There's going to be some that do credit checks, some that don't. It's one of your questions you should ask. And I really have not heard about an amount on a credit card. I, I just really have not heard about that. But I can understand why they might want that. Yeah. I mean, financial commitment to the host agency for whatever that fee is. But there's also things that happen where there could be a chargeback or something like that, that the host agency is going to expect you to take on that responsibility. So they may want to see that. Uh, and I can definitely tell about a credit check too, because you're handling people's money. And, you know, that's not uncommon to have a credit check when you're handling people's money. Mm -hmm. Whether or not they require it is a very good question to ask. Yeah. And and I'm 100% on board here with Lori. I haven't personally heard of a, leaving a certain amount accessible on your credit cards. Uh, but like Lori, I can understand why someone say that. And that that isn't a red flag or a negative at all. Um, it's just the host agencies. It's really important and it's in the best interest of the host as well as their network for the host agency to be really watching financial things like this and making sure that people they let into their network, number one, aren't fraudsters and aren't going to leave them with a $20,000 charge back because that can really hit the bottom line. And if you have 10 people that do that, um, it can really mess up uh, a host agency. So, and in, in terms of credit checks, that is definitely, I think, a best practice. Lori, I don't know. I, I think like at the PATH or Professional Association of Travel Host Meeting, I mean, that's a best practice, isn't that? Absolutely a best practice. Because like I said, you're handling people's money. Mm -hmm. And it's just something that we we do in businesses. I, I, don't, I can't even believe whenever I even took a job anywhere that that was just part of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, so I would, um, Nanette, and, and one thing I will say when I used to work at a host agency is if you have a credit check and you, um, you know, I had where I ran them and it came back that when someone was like 21, they had two bounce checks or something and, you know, they're 40 or something now or 30. I wouldn't let that deter you. I know for me personally, um, if it was something when someone was younger or there's an explanation behind it, it wasn't necessarily black and white. Now, some house might not, might be very black and white, but not to be afraid and to ask the host agency, kind of explain the situation up front if there's going to be something showing up on your credit check, because it will show up and it's better to be proactive about it. Right. And and just because, you know, it's not like you have to have this number or you're out. They're going to be open to a conversation. I know we are. We're going to, yeah. we're going to, you know, talk about it with you. So, yeah. So don't, don't be afraid to have an open conversation with your host. Well, that about wraps things up for today. So Lori, if anyone is interested in learning more about Lavarte Travel or would like to speak to you and maybe has some questions, what's the best way for them to reach you? Absolutely. First of all, you can go to our website at lavartetravel.com. Uh, Lavarte is e-travel spelled backwards. So you can so remember handy. how to spell it. So handy. <laughs> I know. It also means to lift up. And that's kind of our our whole mission statement is lifting advisors in their career and travel. So lavartetravel.com, you can learn all about us. And if you want to email us, you can support at lavartetravel.com or marketing at lavartetravel.com. 
but go to our website and check us out. And thank you so much, Stephanie. This goes so fast. I have so much fun. I know. Every part of my day. It's just, it's just a blast to spend our Friday afternoons together. So we'll put your contact information in the comments for anyone that's interested. Um, and for next week, we do have some interesting topics come up. So here's a little teaser for everyone. So we have someone that wrote in wondering if they do group tours and they're wondering if they do 120 airline tickets a year internationally. Is that worth signing up for a host agency or not? Um, if they've already got the on the ground connections for their groups. Um, then we have a Canadian agent asking about the difference between an outfitter and a travel agency. And then we have someone that wrote in and that was asking about supplier payment plans and how those work. So tune in next Friday, 12 p.m. Central Time. Um, until then, have a wonderful weekend, everyone, and we will talk with you next week. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Yay.